0: Our gospel reading is Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Jesus says these words. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, Jesus says, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well as I said before today is the second week in this new series that we are in the middle of how do i Pray. And as part of this series, we're balancing the practical answers to that question, which are really important, with our own experiences of prayer from several people within our own family of faith, including the one that's going to share with us in just a few minutes, Sarah Troxel. Um, and the structure of what this all is about is that we're going back to the basics of Jesus' structure. On how to pray. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he outlines specific instructions. And and I often say that there's so much ambiguous to life, right? So much ambiguity and so many things, even in our faith, that when we read something specific in Scripture, when Jesus says, this is how you do something, you've got to take notice of that. And that's what we see here. He says how, first of all, how not to pray. And then after that, he says how you should pray. And he goes on to share what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Now, all the way back in 2007, I feel like that was a long time ago now. uh, But there was this article that I read. It was in the LA Times. It was about the Lord's Prayer. And it estimated that on Easter Sunday, and I'm sure that the, the statistics are similar today, as many as... Two billion Christians, Catholics, Anglican, uh, Protestant, Eastern Orthodox, Evangelical Christians, either sing or read the Lord's Prayer in hundreds of languages. The Lord's Prayer is more universal than any creed, and I would assume that it is more well-known than any prayer In all of history, when I officiate a wedding or a funeral and I'm in the context of people who come from all different backgrounds, even people that don't go to church and haven't been to church for a long time, they usually know the Lord's Prayer. It's like the one part of the service that I can count on, even if they don't know all the words themselves. It's like being at a concert at your favorite band and they're singing a song you haven't heard in 20 years, but if everybody around you is singing it, you can sing it too. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. When we pray the Lord's Prayer. And and there's something good about that. There's something good about that. But more than that. More than just being a prayer that that feels comfortable. Like a well-known sweater. Like something you've worn for years and years. Jesus' ultimate intention was actually to use this to show us how to pray. How to pray. Each part gives us different perspectives, different tools, different insights into the ways in which God wants us to communicate with Him. And I've been a Christian since I was 17 years old. I've been a Christian longer now than I wasn't one. And yet when I wrote those words down to share them with you today, I had to stop and just think about that. It is no small thing. God wants us To communicate with him. I mean, just just think about that for a minute. I think we take that for granted. I mean, God communicates with us and we think, oh, he can do that, right? And we can see his presence and nature and all of that. But he wants to hear from you. He wants you and I to communicate with him. Not when we die and go to heaven, but from where we are right here and now. And then I started to think about the passage. This passage, the Lord's Prayer, and I thought, you know, with the exception of the very beginning, Hallowed be thy name, everything else in the Lord's Prayer is meant for us to pray to God here and now. Someday, right, we're going to be with Jesus, we're going to go to heaven, we're going to proclaim, Hallowed be thy name. That's what we're going to say over and over and over again for all of eternity. You're going to sing it. You're going to do it. You're going to be proclaiming those words for all of eternity. But the rest of the Lord's Prayer, you're not going to have to pray. You're not going to have to ask for for God's forgiveness. You're forgiven. It's done. It's finished. You're not going to have to ask for your debts to be forgiven and to forgive your debtors because it's already done. You won't have to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. You won't have to pray that. Why? Well, because when we die and go to be with Jesus, or when Jesus comes back to take us home, it's not like we're going to a spiritual version of Disney World. A lot of times that's what we think. But the truth is, Jesus came to bring heaven to earth that the two might become one. That's his purpose. That's what he came to bring. And so if that's where we're going, and that's where all of creation is going, then the question becomes, what does prayer do now? Like, what is the purpose of prayer right now? And I think it's very simple. Practically speaking, prayer connects the present to the eternal. Say that with me. Prayer connects the present to the eternal. And I'm not making this up. The Apostle Paul, after explaining that through Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. I love that, especially as a family that's been woven together by adoption. I love that idea that when we're sitting together in church, we are sitting with our brothers and sisters in the family of God that we have been Brought into as brothers and sisters and sons of God himself. And so he explains this. The Apostle Paul does in Ephesians chapter 1. And after that he says this. He says in verse 7. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. See, I'm not making this up. Jesus came and gave his life to bring unity between heaven and earth. But see, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until we die or Jesus comes back to begin to experience that unity. Prayer has the power to bring heaven to earth right now. As we talk to God and experience His eternal presence today. Experience His eternal hope right now. Feel His eternal peace in this moment. Why? Because when you talk to your eternal God, the Father in heaven, prayer connects your presence with His eternal. And that's why in a very literal sense, you can pray and miracles happen. Miracles happen. Peace can come because prayer makes things that are only possible in heaven possible on earth right now. And that right there is, I think, the best introduction that I can give to what Sarah Troxell is about to share. Sarah has been a member of... St. John's along with her husband Aaron who's with us at this service as well uh, for the last several years and I've shared in the last couple weeks she's the one that originally months ago came to me and said Tom I I feel like God is calling us to focus more on prayer as a church and that's led to this series that's led to the prayer course that Sarah and her husband Aaron are facilitating Wednesdays at 6. I know they just started last week but they would love for you to join them this week And so without anything more from me, would you please give a very warm welcome to Sarah Troxell as she comes up.
1: Good morning, church family. Good morning. Uh, Again, my name is Sarah Troxell. My husband Aaron and I have been members here for four years, and you may know me from the worship team or the welcome team, and you may know Aaron from every other committee. (laughs) Anything that pops up, he joins Uh, We're both teachers. uh, Him in Waterford, and I work here in Elkhorn, and we're just honored to be here. You guys have treated us as family from the moment we joined, and uh, I'm honored to be here. And hope that my prayer is that God blesses you with this testimony. So many of my earliest memories are from church. My dad was one of the ministers uh, and the organist at my family's church when I was little, and my mother was a prayer warrior and a very talented singer. At the time, I was super reserved. (laughs) I was the oldest of three children, Uh, and we would wake up every Sunday at 7 a.m. and listen to gospel music over a gourmet breakfast. Then my dad and my little brother, Daniel, would tend to their suits, and my mother put great care into making sure myself and my sister had coordinating dresses and accessories, and our hair was flawless. Um, so that we could all look perfect. Then we would pile into our car for a 30-minute commute to church, and almost every Sunday, by the time we'd reach church, all hell would have broken loose. You see, my mom is a gorgeous woman and an anointed singer. She also struggles with bipolar, um, unmedicated, and has struggled with um, alcoholism and confidence issues throughout her life. My father is his father's son, an anointed minister with a heart for God, but a wandering eye for voluptuous women. The Holy Bible says in First Peter that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the devil feasted on my, chi- my parents' generational traumas and adverse childhood experiences, Small spaces for extended periods of time were not healthy for my family. There was often arguing, which would turn into hitting, swearing, um, spitting, pulling over, crying, all before we'd reach our destination. And unfortunately, Sunday drives mirrored typically what, well, a taste of what um, Saturday through Monday would entail. It became effortless for the five of us to pull up to the church parking lot and get out uh, like actors and actresses in a sitcom for the church service. But from 9 to 1130 a.m. every Sunday, we were the family other families wanted to be. When we would make it back home, we would go back to our separate corners to collect ourselves again after what would often be an exhausting performance. This was my favorite time. I would go to my room and read through my children's Bible stories or take out my notes from church and reflect on what I had learned in the peace and quiet of my room. I learned then about God's faithfulness with Abraham, his favor with Joseph, his boundlessness with Samson, his Patience with the Israelites. His compassion for Elijah. The list went on and on. And my present would fade as I read and read of this hallowed God who provides, protects, forgives, guides, and loves. My little heart swelled and my faith grew with every page. God's consistency, his omnipresence, and power brought me great assurance and comfort, even in my volatile environment, that there was a purpose and a plan for my life. I remember going to Sunday school one week uh, where we were gonna learn about the 10 Commandments and uh, my Sunday school teacher, God bless her, opened us up with Psalm 112. And that begins like this. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth God I I mentally checked out at that moment. I thought to myself, I have to fear him to be blessed? It didn't make sense to me. A few weeks back, this broad had told me he was my shepherd and I shouldn't want him. Uh, And now this, I was done. I decided I needed to know God for myself because clearly she had not read the same Bible. Heading home that day, I remember I, deciding that I needed to ask more questions from the Sunday school teacher, from my parents, and of God. I asked my parents how they knew God was real, and they began giving their testimonies of abuses and abandonments that they had survived, as well as blessings and opportunities that God had provided when they had needed him the most. I could see their love for God interwoven in their brokenness. I would see my dad light up learning to play gospel songs by ear on his organ in his office. And for many years my mom was in a prayer group at church that met daily. She would come home from praying for us and the community and play gospel songs and praise God like no one was watching. I was very aware of their shortcomings as parents but also greatly moved by their gifts, as children of God. And I feel so fortunate to have inherited some of the best parts of them. One day my parents reminded me of a time where I was really little, uh, like preschool-aged, and I had cried out. One of them had run into the room and saw a vacuum cleaner cord at my feet. Uh, And I was, through sobs, trying to tell them that I was trying to help clean. when I had went to plug in the cord to the socket, an adult hand that I couldn't see forcefully moved my hand back from the socket. Recalling that, it dawned on me that miracles that I was reading about weren't just limited to the Old Testament. I wondered if God would be with me when I prayed, like he was for the people in the Bible. 1 Peter 5.7 says, to cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so I did. I began to pray all the time. I, I prayed when I lost my shoes and couldn't find them. Uh, during, sometimes during stressful situations at home, I would have panic attacks. Uh, and I would pray to God between breaths uh, to help me. If I wanted to do well in activities or competitions at school, I prayed. It's kind of like cheating. I began to see God move through answering these prayers. And one day, when I was about nine, uh, I was watching the rain fall from my screen door of my house with my five-year-old little sister, Mariah. Uh, And I had this overwhelming feeling that I could perform a miracle. I looked out and I said, Rain, I command you to stop right now in the name of Jesus. The rain immediately stopped. Now, that only happened once. I don't do it all the time. <laughs> but, but you see, I, I only needed it to happen that once. God knew where I was in my life. I was a child in a very fragile place in my life at that time. I was hearing and reading about what he was capable of. I was learning to talk to him without ever getting a verbal confirmation that he was listening to me. And every day, I was still facing emotional, spiritual, and physical warfare in my home. I needed that miracle to happen that day to experience God's might for myself. I also needed that miracle as proof for myself that God could hear me, that he was with me. Nine-year-old Sarah. Needless to say, from that moment on, my five-year-old little sister, Mariah, became my prayer warrior with me, and still is to this day. And since that day that the rain stopped, God has continued to move through my life in mighty and minuscule ways. I have felt his Holy Spirit course through me. I have laid hands on people who were unwell, who were healed. He restored my marriage when I thought it was broken beyond repair. I've spoken to him in languages unknown to me. He has placed so many people in my life uh, to help me heal, to help me grow, from life coaches to counselors to co workers um, to church family. So many of my personal prayers have been answered by God. And as He continuously does it for me, I know that He can do it for you. I quickly want to revisit the scripture that Pastor Tom had highlighted earlier. Hallowed is thy name. Hallowed means holy greatly revered, and honored. The greatly revered, holy, honorable God who made everything hears me. He hears you. You and I have direct access to his throne, and anything that we pray that lines up with his will will happen. But we have to ask, There are many tools available to us to help us grow and add tools to our toolbox for our prayer life. As Pastor Tom had said, my husband Aaron and I are facilitating a group on Wednesdays, the prayer course that equips you with tools. We would love to have you online or in person to grow with you in prayer. In closing, James 5.16 says, the serious prayer of a righteous person has great power, and has wonderful results. Church, I want you to know the power you have in Jesus. I want you to know it, and I want you to elevate your prayer life so you too can experience his glory. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Sarah. When I first heard uh, sarah 's testimony and and i I read it i I heard it, we had a conversation about it um, and now this is my third time hearing it this this morning each time i'm just blown away at how much God loves us. He loves us so much that he would stop the rain He loves us so much that he would send his son and when Sarah first shared her story with me. I told her, I said, I know we're going to be focusing on Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer, but I couldn't help but think of a different verse. It's Psalm 46. Verse 1 goes like this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Say, say this with me out loud. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now, here's why this, this came to my mind. The, the Old King James Version, I remember this was written in Hebrew, and so we got to translate it to English. And, and the Old King James translates that very or ever present to the words very present, which, which I think, in other words, says that, that God is very present, and specifically says that God is very present when we are in trouble. When we need help in trouble, you don't need refuge if there's nothing to need refuge from. You don't need strength unless you're feeling weak. God is very present when we are in trouble. This is precisely why Jesus warns us against prayer in a prideful way, on the street corner, making prayer into this performance that makes it look as if you've got everything together with your eloquent words in front of everybody else. It's not a mistake that we want to make. Now, The psalmist isn't suggesting that God isn't present when things are good and eloquent. Of course he is. God is with us in the joys. God is everywhere all the time. But he is making the point to say that God is very present when you need help. He is ever present when you're crying out. And it goes on and says, verse 2, Therefore, if that's all true, if God is very present in my trouble, here's how it practically plays out in my life. We will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. There is a river that flows In the moments that feel as if the mountains are crashing into the sea. That river is flowing through those times. And it's flowing straight through your soul. Because the presence of God and Jesus dwells in you. That's why we can pray, hallowed be thy name. After we pray to God, our Father, Abba, Daddy, you are my God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because prayer connects the present to the eternal. Prayer makes what's only possible in heaven possible on earth. And so let's experience that. We can experience that in our own prayer closet at home, but we can experience it together as one. And so what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about where are you at right now? Where are the mountains crashing into the sea in your own life? Where do you need to see the very present hand of God? Our worship team is going to come forward right now and they're going to lead us in a song. It's called Holy Ground. And the chorus has these words, show us your glory. And those words come from Exodus. They come from Moses as he was charged by God to lead God's people out of slavery but was living in that muddy middle place where they had been saved and yet they were still going to the promised land. And I don't know about you, but that feels an awful lot like my life right now. It's the middle. And in the middle of the middle, Moses cries out to God and he has a very simple prayer, show us your glory. And so we take Moses' words and the promise of the psalmist and the experience that Sarah has shared, and they're going to lead us in praying those words and singing that song in whatever place you find yourself right now. And so would you join me together as we stand and as we sing and as we pray.